Welcome to Think Like a Penguin, The Art of Flying. This is the podcast to help you think outside the box, live more confidently against the grain and become your more authentic self. Penguins don't traditionally fly, but what's to say they won't one day? Good morning and welcome from Eagle Bay this week. I'm really fortunate to be here with Liz on her balcony amazingly peaceful you might hear the odd bird um hopefully not too much traffic passing but we are doing it from the garden because it's just too nice to not be sat in this really beautiful spot there's a huge tree in the front and we're surrounded by the spring flowers so we're going to go straight into it and this week is a tricky topic it's quite a vulnerable subject for me and one that I don't feel I've really got a handle on and that is feeling enough So either feeling inadequate or feeling like a failure, but fundamentally feeling like I am enough in life. It was interesting you said um, when I suggested we talk about this, you're like, I don't even know what that means. What does that Yeah, I guess I don't think of it in those terms, but then when we delve down into what it meant, then, yeah, those similar themes were coming up in various aspects of my life as well. Yeah, so I guess just to put it into some sort of context when I was struggling with overcoming anorexia and trying to get over my illness one of the reasons for getting better or for choosing recovery was to find a reason to live and I really struggled with this concept because I didn't really understand the point of my life and I think there's a lot of people who I'm very envious of who actually never consider that there is necessarily a point to life or that they need to have a purpose or they need to feel like they are contributing in some way or that they have value I, I they are enough in life but for me to want to get better I I kind of fundamentally had to hold on to this fact that I was enough or I was needed or I was a value in some way which was challenging for me um We won't go into a first five because I think this is more about trying to just understand the concept rather than ways in which you might feel enough in life. But I guess as a couple, you could feel enough as a parent or as a caregiver. You could feel enough as a coach or a a teacher or someone that gives advice. You could feel enough as your career or your skill, your specific job or talent in life Um, you might just feel enough by knowing that you're a really good person and that you spread love and joy so there's a few ways in which you might feel like you're enough and you're in kind of inhabiting a certain attribute that others can benefit from and I suspect that's what it comes down to is feeling like you are enough for others because if we were all here by ourselves on this planet I guess there wouldn't be a sense of being enough for who or for what or compared to what or for who Maybe. Yeah, and I guess the way I would view all of those questions is, am I the best parent I can be? Am I the best at my job that I can be? Am I the best person that I can be? Am I the fittest that I can be? Am I the best partner that I can be? So it's not whether I'm enough, but am I fulfilling my potential, which I guess is, am I enough? Which is a really healthy viewpoint in that you're seeing that in compared to yourself or just on on your own, whereas my battle with feeling like I'm not enough most of my life and still to this day I often feel like I'm not enough is because I'm comparing it to other people and I know where that comes from um, in my childhood and throughout my 
adolescence is that we were often encouraged to put ourselves on a on a kind of level compared to our peers, compared to our colleagues, compared to our teammates, which is really toxic when you think about it, because then there's always going to be someone better than you. There's always going to be someone that can um, add more value in any given situation. So then it teaches you that you're never going to be enough if you're not as good as that person that's always going to be. Well, I think that the way I've approached it's all about comparison. Like if I look at my struggle as a working mum, I compare my ability, my output at work compared to those that don't have obligations outside of work so who can work harder and longer than I can and I compare my output as a mum to those who have more time to um to commit to being a parent you know those that can help out at school and help out um with you know those sorts of things which I can never ever do so there's a comparison piece part of that absolutely yeah there is definitely a paradox between being enough and striving for more striving for more but also learning to be content with yourself and this is a question I have Someone grappled with. It. I know. <laughs> well, I asked a very wise friend who's going to be a guest on this podcast in the um, near future. And I said, how do you know when you've got the sweet spot or the balance between being completely content with oneself and with life and wanting to always strive and grow? Because that is, life is based on growth. Yeah. Like, you're not growing, if, you're going backwards. Or you're stagnant and you're, you're, stagnant not, is going you're not living. Yeah. So there is this really challenging sweet spot, which... I think I've maybe experienced in fleeting moments. I really envy people that when can... you're driving the sports car this morning. Yeah, <laughs> but then even then, I'm thinking I'm a bit of a fraud because it's not my sports car. No. You know, I'm not. I'm just. I'm just very fortunate to be in a position where I can take a surfboard that was bought for me as a beautiful gift in a car that isn't my own that I can just borrow because I'm down here. You know, it it doesn't feel like I can own fully own that moment as something that I have curated myself. So it takes takes away some of that joy because in a way I felt like I was an imposter living someone else's life. Yeah, whereas if you could just find a way <sighs> to find joy in that moment without all of those other things and everything. Oh. Well, yeah. I mean, if I could just not think as much, that would make my life easier. But then I wouldn't be the person I am no. and maybe I'd have no ambition. So I always feel either envious or confused by people who seemingly genuinely just sit in this absolute bubble of contentment yeah uh, but they don't also seem to be striving well in your striving in the way we define striving yeah like no true yep like maybe their absolute contentment and peace is what we should be striving for a hundred percent yeah so let's break it down a little bit um First of all, there are fundamental differences between men and women. And I've mentioned this in a few topics, but doing a bit of research into it, generally, on average, men do have a sense of uh, self-assurance, confidence. They, I mean, you'd notice this, Liz, in a corporate sense, is that they often put themselves forward for roles. They're not afraid to ask for a pay rise. They really back themselves almost to the point where it's a false confidence that they shouldn't be as self-assured as they are, but they really genuinely feel like they are enough in the role. And yet women, on the other hand, naturally, not always, but generally feel like they are always going to fall short or they're somehow lacking or they just don't have this innate um, confidence or 
kind of assurance in, in their ability. Yeah, so, I think that men look at potential, whereas women look at experience. So men go, I can do this because I think I can and because of these reasons, whereas women go, I can do this because I've done it this many times and in this many iterations before. Yeah. So women rely on that experience to put themselves forward for things and men look at the potential. So, yeah, absolutely. Which is catch-22 because if you haven't put yourself forward before for a, a um, promotion or something, well, then you'll go, well, I've never done it. Correct. Whereas oh. men go, I can do this. I've got the potential to yeah. do this. This false arrogance that you think, where's this coming well, it's from? Kind of but, like, it's kind of like nice to think about, though. Yeah, I think we all need to channel a little bit of that a bit more. I mean, they could do with a bit more experience. Everyone yeah. Needs, everyone needs to take a little bit from everyone else. So true. So true. I just think as well back to kind of school time and where boys generally are more encouraged to kind of like give it a go if you fall up come on dust it off shake it off kind of boys get stuck in and I mean thankfully we're going away from boys don't cry but you still get that I mean I was watching one of your parents and how they interacted with their sons at floorball and the way he they were talking he was talking to the boys his sons was really kind of like quite aggressive I was a little bit bit disturbed by it I really wanted to go and say something but kind of really just get in there sons come on and then as soon as they um turned around he was engaging with his daughter completely different mannerisms different approach kind of softy softy so I think maybe there's a bit of an accommodation there potentially for for girls that they're it's all right they're expected to be a bit more pansy a bit on the sidelines a bit and this is very much in a physical setting but, I mean, but that's assuming that that way about doing it is correct. Maybe the nurturing approach we adopt with traditionally adopt with girls is actually the one we should be doing with everyone. Yeah, no, that is a good point as well. I guess whilst whilst we're on it, it's probably important to set the scene around why I struggle so much with feeling inadequate. Um, so my childhood was. Well, I was born into a family, so I'm the youngest of three girls. I have twin sisters, and they were born a year before me. And throughout my whole childhood, subconsciously, it was only as an adult I realised this, but I felt like I was an inconvenience, that I was a mistake, that I got in the way, that surely life would be easier, which it probably would, there's no denying that, if I wasn't around. Obviously, because I was around and alive, it might have been easier without me there, but my parents obviously loved you know, being a parent to three, they've always said that. I was never told that I was a mistake. I was never told that I was getting in the way. I just had this sense of being inconvenienced because things like on a weekend, we would always have to go and do whatever dad was doing and follow along with him. So I felt like he wasn't changing his ways to accommodate for having children. It was almost like we had to fit in with his plans. Whereas we spoke about this and you were saying about us really surprised how often you go to your kids' school just to be there for their arts day, their sports day, if they're reading a cute little poem or if they're doing a show and tell or they have all these opportunities where the parents are invited. Yeah. And I said I was really surprised by that and some of your friends do that as well with their kids. I cannot remember a single occasion where my parents left work in the work day to come and see me at school because it just, it just didn't fit into their work schedule it just it wasn't a thing that was considered normal mm. whereas I wonder maybe if my parents had done that a bit more I might have felt like I wasn't a hindrance to their life and I was more of actual 
something they wanted in yeah. their life. Did you have that from? Because you 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 said you well you just do it because that's that's the joy of being a parent. But yeah. did you have that from your parents? Did you feel like your I did mum and dad to most things that they could, including dad who worked obviously. Um, I mean, my dad was turned up to my touch rugby game at the beginning of this year, so at still at the age of 41, he's turning up this morning. <laughs> that's so cute. So, but that's because, and I think this is, I hope your parents don't listen to this, the sad thing no, they that they potentially missed out is he saw the joy for him in that as well, not just coming for me, but, like, it's quite, I really enjoy watching my kids do things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a different upbringing. And coupled with that, we went to quite a similar school. Yeah. So this would be quite interesting in that um, I went to an all-girls private and really old school in that it was it was the first established all-girls school in the UK, so from Victorian era. The focus was always on what was wrong and what can we improve. So if someone got 95%, that was never me because I'm... I was always in the D grade. Um, but if they did, it wasn't, oh my gosh, that's amazing. It was, why didn't you get 100%? And even saying I was in D grade, we were absolutely graded. So I knew in all subjects, except for art and sport, I was the bottom grade. So I knew always that I was in the, the failure group, the, the useless group, the awful group. And it really irked me when I started, I did a little TAFE course. It's just a two-year diploma here in Australia. And Everyone passed and there was no grading. It was pass-fail. It was pass-fail. And that really annoyed me because I was brought up with this idea that the harder you work, the more you get rewarded and the more praise you get, the more kind of, yeah, the higher your grade would be. It would, you would aim for an A or you'd aim for top marks. Whereas I re- it really threw me because it was completely different to what I had known. And I think that being graded so much but also the emphasis constantly being on the failure or the thing that made you fall short or the problem essentially made all of us feel like we were failing there's very little emphasis on the accomplishment or the achievement or the trying hard you know we never get a prize for taking part it was you get a prize if you're top one two three yeah um and I don't know if that's I still grapple with that a bit because I still think there is some merit in helping people strive mm. to, to, to want to be on the podium, to want to feel a sense of achievement. Um, I struggle big time when people compliment me now because I think, well, I haven't tried, so therefore it doesn't warrant a compliment or praise. How do people compliment you now? Well, for instance, if I've done a picture or something, and obviously painting for me is quite a... Uh, comes comes easily to me compared to like reading or writing I just I can't I can't accept praise when I haven't had to work hard to me that that's patronizing um but then at the same time I struggle when people don't acknowledge it so <laughs> essentially I've got a lot of work to do in this area <laughs> um that that leads on to this idea of requiring external validation and I've spoken to a couple of friends in the past and you've mentioned it and highlighted the fact that I share quite a lot on my Instagram stories or I put up quite a lot of images and I'm not about what I'm about to say is not judging or reflecting anyone else and why they do that but hand on heart it's because 
essentially I'm trying to get external validation. It's mm. because I have a really low self-esteem. It's probably why most people are putting things up on social media. It's embarrassing, but I do acknowledge, I know exactly why I do it, but it's because I feel alone. It's because I feel like I'm not included, like I'm not enough, like I'm not part of the gang. Um, and it's it's so messed up because having that awareness of why I do it and yet I still do it and if someone engages or likes or you know yeah you're so right it's probably why we all do it but if someone engages or likes something or just watches it then like cool like don't knock yourself up about it about doing it true but it's a shame that I need that external validation and that sense of we see you because I think fundamentally, there's two things. Deep down, most people just want to be seen and heard. Like, it's very yeah. unusual for people to not want to be seen or heard. Yeah. Authentically but, seen and heard as well. Yeah, 100%. And so I think that's where, well, that's a, di- a whole different kettle of fish where people put weird versions of themselves that obviously isn't them. They put, like, rosy, I don't know, obscure versions of who they are. But the other thing is that fundamentally from way back when, caveman times, it's within our nature for the survival of our species to be included, to not let the pack down, to not be the weakest link, survival yeah. of the fittest. Like, we need to belong. Yeah, and a sense of belonging communities um, very much now linked to good mental health, longevity of life, that sort of thing as well. I think without that, then... Yeah, people go wanting a little bit. Absolutely. According to my book, I've just read on how to live longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're coming up with all the wise comments this morning, so it's obviously helping. Um, I think there's also different categories in which people, whether they realise it or not, because when we spoke about this, oh, we'll just let the kookaburra do its thing. Wow, that's that's really long. Cool. Anyway, we'll carry on. Um, the yeah categories around not feeling enough because for me it's very obvious in the ways that I seek external validation that I don't feel enough, and that is of being of service or of use. So if I'm not working, if I'm not volunteering, if I'm not making a positive difference to someone else's life, yeah. I feel like there's absolutely no point to my life. So I really struggle when I'm not working because my work involves helping others empowering yeah. others and you you said oh I don't think there's any area in my life that I feel like I'm not enough but then I wrote down a couple of categories right, and then you're like oh yeah no maybe actually I fall <laughs> into that box so a very obvious one is looks so often if people feel like their looks are changing out of their control or in a way they don't like they'll try and change their looks their external appearance to feel like they fit in with what is fashionable or young or you on trend? Because I got my skin needle. The no, other I'm not. I'm thinking <laughs> about just the changes people make to their appearance that it yeah, confuses me. Yeah. Like when people, and this is no judgment. This is just a, a, something I notice. No judgment, but okay, fine. I just, I just find it confusing when we went from within the space of a decade, super skinny eyebrows, yeah. like tadpole was the look yeah. to then caterpillars well, this is the fashion but that's all part of not feeling enough like if you felt comfortable in your eyebrow your natural brow yeah. why would you need to dye your brows on or make them thicker or i think 
Maybe but, I'm wrong in like, this. If you just if you think it looks good, why not? But what? How can you think it looks good to have skinny tadpoles five years prior and then think? <laughs> you know, know. <laughs> you're like whatever. I don't even care. This is yeah, how my brain works. Like, this is these aren't big issues to worry about. Eyebrows. They're not big issues, but that's it's symbolic. Yeah. Okay. So it's not just the eyebrows. Then you'd get your pedi done. Then you'd get your hair done. Then you'd, you know, I don't know, go on a diet so you can look slimmer. Like. One way in which people often feel like they're not enough or they're falling short or inadequate is their looks. Yeah. Let's move on because I feel like this is a sensitive subject. <laughs> Another one is work. So that would be quite obvious. And I think there's sort, of, there's sort of a social acceptance on this one. Like it's always good to strive for more. Yeah. Um, having work for a multi-billionaire, I always pondered on, surely he's done enough now. Surely, once you've, you know, got over a bill, so that's a thousand million dollars, that's enough. But there's yeah. an element of this character, this individual that... Well, most billionaires. Most billionaires. Or billionaires. Yeah. There's an element where it's never enough. No, it's, so it's they never close enough. their big deal, but why? There's never enough for you or me either. I don't think either. Mm. I would differ in the work sense. As long as I've got enough to pay my bills, I don't see the need to double my income from the year prior or like I don't have KPIs but when I did I could never understand them mm. and I remember actually someone offering me to work on a Saturday and I got time and a half in pay and I turned around and said why would I want to do that because nothing no value monetary value is greater than my freedom of time and she looked at me like what yeah. that doesn't make sense because for me having enough work is not a problem. Yeah. Like, I, I just work as minimally as I can to, to enjoy my life. <laughs> but that's certainly one category. And I'm just saying these because it might prompt someone to go, oh, yeah, actually, I don't need to work on a Saturday morning. Why am I to, doing that? that? No. Uh, <laughs> very defensive this morning. But is it maybe more like, just I just hope that people will ask themselves why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, I thought about this around work because I was like, oh, no, I'm pretty successful. I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. But... I think mine comes in the form of an imposter syndrome. Like I'll sometimes, you know, I'll get contacted to do some work and I'll, and part of the narrative in my head is surely there is someone better that they can be asking than me. Like, why am I being asked to do this piece of work? Mm. So I think that that goes to that point. In that person's eye that's contacting me, I am enough. Yeah. Yeah. I still don't see it or I can't, that can't be reflected in me. I'm constantly questioning that. Yeah. Yeah. And also I would say with your work, you struggle to say no, even though you have um, a target. Hey, we, we don't say no at work. Well, like, well, <laughs> but why? Because if you were Cause, enough, cause we're... you have a target, right? Let's just pluck a figure out of thin air. Let's, it's not this, guys, but let's just say it's 10 mil. So you have to turn over 10 mil a year. Yeah. If you hit that, which you said, I'm going to make my target by December, cool. Why are you working December through June? If, you, if your target is that, that's enough. That's because all that's asked like... of you. Um, that's not the hitting that target isn't the reason why I do work. Okay, that's a good good response. Good save. Yeah, no, I'm just being um, a dick. I'm not being a dick. <laughs> I'm just I'm just asking the questions. Why do we do what we do yeah. when it's coming from a place of feeling inadequate or it's for the wrong reasons? So another category is personality. I'm sure we've all met people that are super loud or they have to be the butt of the joke. They have to be the life of the party. Um, or maybe they hide their personality because they don't feel like they have enough 
to offer or to give. So they're really shy or they're really, and this is super complex. Obviously someone's personality isn't just the way it is because they do or don't think if they're enough as a person, but, um, and then helping others. So you get martyrs and you get people who, uh, I wouldn't say pushover, but sometimes they, to their own, people pleaser, pleaser. sorry, much nicer way of saying it. To the detriment of their own happiness yeah. and, and their own life, they will put everyone before them. And that's a classic. Well, I don't think I'm worthy of putting my life before your own. Um, yeah, it's a challenging one, though, because I think there is also an element of service in life that is really beneficial. Like yeah. if a life of service is, is something that's really commendable and something that everyone should have a component of their, their life is doing something for someone else. Yeah. So you're not just about yourself. But it's about, yeah, it's just about balance, right? Like how 100%. do you balance that with your own needs? Because if you're running around for everyone else but not looking after yourself, then, you know, that, that pack of cards is going to fall. Yeah. Well, it's the classic thing I often have said to mums over the years or caregivers, usually women, and, and that's not being um, sexist, but often women and specifically mums will put their kids first and they feel guilty they have this mum guilt if they take an afternoon or a morning to themselves or if they do something and my mum went away when um we were 11 and my sisters were 12 she went to australia for two weeks and my sisters hit the roof they're like i can't believe you'd abandon us this is so selfish i didn't respond in that way i said to mum mum i am so glad you are taking a holiday well i was a little bit annoyingly wise for my years but i was very lonely in that wisdom but um i said mum you haven't had a holiday in 12 years yeah that is ridiculous 12 years she had done everything for everyone else namely her children and her husband and her work and so go for it like and then when she came back, she was so much more relaxed, so much happier, so much more. I think that's probably why she ended up divorcing her dad, my dad, because she had time to think about what she did on out of life. But fantastic. So um, actually, I feel like mums, yeah, parents, no. caregivers that don't put time for themselves in their lives are being a disservice to yeah. their children because they're not restoring. They're not being their best version of themselves. They'll be overtired, stressed. Um, Agreed. So yeah, you've got to you've got to owe it to yourself and find that sense of worth within yourself to value yourself and value your time and value. What are a couple of things you've done? Because you've you've made some really good changes over the last year or so. Yeah, I think for me the things I've done is I've joined um, some social sport teams. Yep, and so that's been really good from a health and fitness perspective but also in a sense of community perspective but just getting that time to do something that's purely for me yeah initially um, you felt like you were guilty though I remember you saying oh I feel bad like I've only got the kids this amount of time and now I'm getting a babysitter but do you, has that subsided a bit yeah you feel... because like it's at night it's not when the kids particularly need me maybe they do um and the benefits far outweigh the negatives on that yep like, yeah. I think I'm pretty present for my children. Taking an hour or two out a week to go do something for myself is is not going to harm anyone. And, in fact, I hope it shows them that that's something that they can do in their life. Yeah. Um, 
and also they're always more than welcome to come and watch and I think that's kind of cool and that sort of stuff oh yeah 100% like I did a surf lesson this morning and there was two teenage boys and their mum joined in with them after a little bit of encouragement and they were so happy yeah. that, that, that just elevated their experience to know that their, their mum yeah. in her whatever 40s, 50s was, was joining them yeah, I'm 100% going to do that this summer with the kids is take them surfing lessons but actually do it with them yeah I wish I did more with my parents. Yeah. All my experience was just watching dad and feeling like I was getting in the way. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, if, oh, yeah, you want to be able to do these activities with them. And then isn't that the nirvana, right? You can do something like play a game of tennis and do it with your child. And it's, it's this amazing components of doing things for yourself, doing something with them. Yep. It's easier as they get older, though, obviously. Yeah. I do remember actually going for jogs with dad and doing a bit of tennis the problem came where he was, again, always criticising my lack of speed or lack of endurance or trying to tweak my technique or trying to... And I get really, yeah, really... Yeah, annoying from parents. Oh, well, I've coached a lot of sport over the years and I've gotten so triggered when there's parents trying to coach because kids... Well, obviously, hits a sport sore spot because it takes me right back to when I was a kid that every time we went to play sport, I would feel like I wasn't doing good enough and yeah. I was not getting my serve in or I wasn't getting my goal swing right or I wasn't running fast enough or, and it's just I think that comes from now as an adult I can see that comes from a place of love but as a parent all you want is the best for your child there are parents out there that want their children to make them look good and that's really sad and you or see live vicariously through them yes so they they have failed yeah, I was in some really way. Cool. I really liked tennis when I was your age. And yeah. I got so much out of it, so you're going to like or tennis worse, too. Or worse, they didn't quite hit the mark, yeah, and totally. then they use their children. That, to me, is a form of abuse, and it, it obviously triggers me because I had such a negative experience of feeling like I was always falling short of good enough. Yeah. Um, but I think, I don't know, if you're, if you're listening to this and you think, oh, no, that's just a lovely way to encourage my child, I think you really need to take it with each child personally yeah, so it's diff different for each children yeah i went to and you gotta listen to your children when they're telling you they don't want to do something they could like you you don't they don't belong to you that's yeah their, that's their prerogative but you can encourage you can support you can um lead by example but if you've got a kid turning around and going i don't want to do swimming anymore then that's their choice yeah like, imagine as an adult, you were told you had to get in the water three times a week and swim if you really hated it. Yeah. just wouldn't do it. It's, um, it's challenging because you only get one shot at it. It's not like you can try one version of parenting for a bit and then go, okay, let's take go back in time and let's try it again. Well, because you can grow. You can, but, like, I went to all-girls private, insanely toxic environment. Personally, I don't think that was the best thing for me because it was just competition after competition after... Co it was competition after... How we looked, how we played sport, what grade mathematics class you're you're in, how many awards you got. It was just constant competition. I'm quite a sensitive soul. Maybe more like a Steiner Montessori vibe would have gone better for yeah, me. So, definitely. but we don't. We'll never know. Because, we'll never know. Um, maybe I would have still gotten anorexia off the <laughs> back of Steiner. To, probably wouldn't be able to read yet. It's a bit unfair on the Steiner system. No, I wouldn't because I'd, chip, I'd just be drawing be like, patterns can, in sand. You can read this or you can play in nature and you'd be like, playing in nature. See Yay, ya. every time. <laughs> I mean, it was only yesterday I was carving wood just for lols. 
But um, yeah, there's one more category that I have written down and this probably is going to be a sore spot for anyone that is listening and that is sex in that I think there's a lot of stigma, there's a lot of sensitivity, anxiety, uh, I would go as far as saying trauma around sex when there's so much dynamic in terms of past experience, um, comparison. Um, yeah, the recycling truck's coming. That's not ideal. Maybe we'll walk inside when that happens. And I would... This is a very sweeping general comment, and obviously there's a lot more to this. Sex is going to be a whole episode in itself, but I would, would hazard a guess that some people cheat purely for validation. Or people sleep around often yeah, because just someone, to make themselves feel good and important. showing interest in you. Of yep. course, that is the, one of the, probably the predominant reason. Yep. So this is, I think, just an area of checking in. Again, awareness. Why do I want to do it? Is it really because I want to engage in a very intimate physical connection with that other person? Or am I doing it purely just because I just know that I've, you know, I'm all right. Someone wants me. Because it feels gross if you have sex when it's purely just because you feel lonely and you want to be wanted. It's not enjoyable. Um, and you've often sort of said, oh, but you've had quite a lot of sexual partners in the past. Doesn't mean it's been good. Doesn't mean it's been healthy. Doesn't mean it's come from the right place. It doesn't mean that the reason behind it has been right. It was because I was really low in self-esteem, really loathing of who I was and trying to get some kind of validation from people. And I still do that. I struggle with Sometimes people have said I'm quite arrogant and I come across as quite big-headed and, and um, showy-offy. I think I, that was much more the case in my 20s. But I know that's purely because I was the absolute opposite. I hated myself. I really was embarrassed by the inadequacies that I had. I was desperate to connect and I was desperate to show people my best side in the hope that somehow that would be good enough for them to accept. Whereas... Really, people are more likely to connect and feel more comfortable connecting with someone that's humble mm. and that isn't a show-off. But it's taken me years to realise that. That actually it's quite intimidating when people go, oh, look at me, and list all their best qualities. Because then that shines a mirror to the other person. So if you're trying to, a bit like blokes, sorry guys, but some blokes, they'll drive a really fast car They'll do like get really muscly and then they'll just try and like show off by doing some kind of weird handstand or backflip or something. And they're just trying to show that they're someone. Someone. Well, the best kind of people are the people that are so assured in themselves that they don't need to show anything. It just it will be revealed in time. Mm. But it's actually less is more, I think. And that's a really that took me a long, long time to realise. And there's still times where I fall back on thinking, oh, if they just see this part of me, they might be impressed. Where actually, they're going to be more likely to want to connect. Yeah. Just because I'm nice and inviting and yeah, and warm and friendly. And yourself. And myself. Hmm. Okay. I feel like this topic is still one that uh, maybe I need to broach this in another decade when I know the answer, because I still wake up feeling not enough. That's like your first thought when you wake up. 
my first thought is how can I achieve today so that I can live with myself? So you have to remember when I was anorexic, my aim, and this is is gonna be quite shocking to to some, but my aim was to end my life. My aim was to starve myself to death because I genuinely felt guilty for taking up air, for using the resources of the earth for my benefit. I felt like I wasn't worthy of breathing and I felt like I got in the way and I felt like people would just tolerate me and the world would genuinely be a better place if I wasn't on it. So obviously I'm not there now, thankfully. I've, I've moved on a lot. I know that there is worth to me, but if I don't achieve something, and for me an achievement is helping others or adding value to someone else's life, if I don't do that in my day, I feel like I've, I've lived a day where I, I don't deserve to live that day. So you add value to my life every day. Oh, thank you, babe. That's, that's lovely. <laughs> I try to. <laughs> um, and I know that... So you achieve every day. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, uh, I wonder if others... Because you said you don't wake up and you don't worry about feeling no. enough. You just know you're enough. No, I don't. I think it's clear we don't have many areas where I don't think I'm enough, but it doesn't preoccupy me. Yeah, I guess for me it was my reason to live. So I had to make it a question that I asked myself every day is what am I going to do today to validate my existence, to give me reason to be here on the planet? So it is an unusual question to have to ask, but it's based off of a place of survival and getting over anorexia. So let's, I think let's wrap up because we are kind of going over old ground and repeating ourselves a little bit. But I think the ultimate is to focus on the balance between finding contentment, being happy, but also maintaining that fire in your belly so that you can set some goals, have some passion and, and chase excitement and chase more in life. Like we have to constantly embrace growth, but at the same time do it with a sense of stillness and contentment. Yes. Can someone tell us how to do that, please? Yeah, actually, that's a great way to end. If anyone knows the answer to that, <laughs> any Buddhist monks out there listening to this podcast, um, how do you sit in absolute contentment but feel elation and fulfillment in the same breath namaste